So I was just going to recap on some of the key themes of the day and in some way how they relate to healthcare or health. So we started off with Wojciech's um, yoga session and and I suppose the um, I suppose the two take-home messages in it were, for me at least, one is the is the first one is the body position when you're meditating. If there's one thing that I take from Wojciech and Giovanni about sitting when you're meditating is to sit on the front of your sit bones because it opens up here at back, as opposed to like what I'm doing now, which is sitting at back. Um, and for me, that was one of the best pieces of advice in meditation. And the other thing is that as you meditate, you will want to go through the, the teachings of, of what Wojciech is telling us about, which is exploring and understanding sort of the nature of your body as well. I think for, uh, we did, a lot of us heard another reading our gospel text, which is actually very important for, I think, for healthcare, which is the prodigal son today. And um, I think it's a really interesting story that the Dalai Lama's one question of if he met Jesus, the teacher, what would he ask him? And his, his, his answer was, he would ask him, what is the nature of the father? And the nature of the father is, is explained in the prodigal son. And what, what is interesting in it is that, that the son goes off, the younger son goes off, he doesn't suggest to him, don't go off. So if you're a father, you'd be thinking, you're going to go off and wreck your life. Look, I'm going to have to have a chat with you. Let's go out for a drink. Let's do every single technique you're going to try to get them away from that path. So he doesn't do that. And then the other thing is, when he comes back, he doesn't, not for a moment, engage in any sort of, it's time for us to have a chat about what you've learned. Like, of course I'll forgive you, but just don't ever do this again. He doesn't do that. So it's sort of counterintuitive. And the, and the final thing is the other son, he, he sort of helps out to a way, but lets him go. He doesn't sort of, doesn't deviate from his path because the other son is sort of righteously upset. But it speaks very much to this, to the, sort of at some level, to the nature of being. Because that is the nature of the father. And also speaks to this concept of compassion with detachment, which is very important in terms of healthcare, but it's also important in terms of looking after people. So, the, so true compassion is detached. It's not attached to the outcome. It's not attached to telling me, actually, you're a really good doctor. You made a big difference. Um, and actually, when we get attached in healthcare, what we end up, we never get enough, or people can never get enough feed positive feedback to tell them they're great. And, and one of the things that I, I was in a role in the health service where I was sort of a medical director, and the one thing that always struck me was that um, every group I met, they would come in and they would say, nobody appreciates us. Like us, so say it was the neurologists would come in and say, oh, nobody appreciates the neurologists. I say, all right, okay, well, I understand that. There's not a lot of neurologists and all that. And then the kind of emergency medicine guys would come in and say, nobody appreciates emergency medicine. And then the nursing unions would come in and say, yeah, the doctors are all fine, but nobody appreciates the nurses. And at the end of the story was that I was sitting down with a previous minister for health, and I was going to 
tell him this, you know. And he says, do you know what I think? I'm doing all this work. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody appreciates it. <laughs> so I didn't, I, I just smiled. That's the wrong moment. <laughs> yeah. Spoiled the moment for me. But I do think that the, there is a, a, a piece around true compassion in when you're caring for somebody is absolutely detached. Um, uh, and that's the same when you're with our... I'm much harder with our families, but it's the same with true compassion to other people. The discussion around the... Uh, um, the Tao text, I think that um, Amos, you, you brought it up, that the, where we're going and where we're talking about going is, is the darkness within the darkness, which, is, which, me, which for me means beyond the intellect. And, and the, the risk, the, the concern we always have is it's great to have discussions and the text, the intellect takes you to starting post. But you, you need to you're going to a place where the intellect and the discussions are going to end. Now one of the, um, one of the nurses from James's, who was uh, due to come on the trip, she couldn't come, but actually sent a note and she said, I think I'm finished with the discursive, um, the discursive uh, retreats, the next one I want to go on. Is it, you know, can we sort out a, a purely silent retreat? I think. I think that the message is the journey on this is to is to um, is to beyond the intellect. So the darkness within the darkness, the gateway to all knowledge. And I think it's a very important um, theme or message. Just in the practice, and this is just from my own um, practice and from from listening to it, very interesting hearing what people were saying today. The, the the most important important message, and people who've been meditating for many years know this. Is, is the answer to all the questions is just do it. Um, and and um, the, um, the whole laying aside of your thoughts, that's it, it'll get you there. So, so whenever, you know, the whole idea of what do I do if, what do I do if I have these visions, what do I do if I have a great moment, what do I do if I have despair, what do I do if it seems totally empty, what, they all end with the same answer, which is just do it. And uh, the, the other point um, I think it's just worth saying is that the idea of experimenting with different approaches, and we might touch on this later on, is that uh, there's, I'm sure there's a time for it. For me, again, is just do it. You know, so you can get lost in different ways and different approaches. That's what I found personally in the you know, and you need to, some level, there's many different ways to the end point, but just go on one. Um, so the, um, and then the, the, the story that we've just done there about the fears and the desires, which I think um, I probably don't need to recap on, but um, because it was been so well done by everybody here. So in the, in the interest of Time. What I was just going to talk through was was just the um, um, Jesus calms the storm, and I'm going to read it down and just give you a perspective on it, which I think as it as it relates to 
living our life. Um, so that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So there's perhaps different ways of interpreting it, but for me, the, the, um, I'd ask you to bear with me if, if, if we move away from beliefs, belief systems here for, for a moment and see it as a very powerful metaphor. And the question sometimes is which is more important, an actually factually correct event or a metaphor. So we've, we've talked about um, how hard it is to put the name on a lot of what we're talking about. So in other words, beyond the intellect, that to name things and to explain truth, to explain meaning. And one of the ways in which we do that most powerfully is through metaphor and through myth. And yet we, if we were to ask which is more important, a myth or a metaphor or a factual event, we would always say, of course, the factual event is a more reliable transmission of truth. But the realm of what we're talking about here is that probably doesn't apply. <coughs> and if we were to ask, so in this context, am I more interested in somebody who has a power over the waves or a power over perhaps the waves in our mind? Which is more relevant? to me. So I'm not a fisherman, so I don't need somebody to quell the seas, but even if I was, I'm not sure that's, this is the answer here, but that's been, I don't think that's what's been offered to me, which is a means of setting aside a storm in, when, when you've got really bad weather. So if it's a metaphor, um, what, does Jesus, what is Jesus representing here? And what are the disciples representing? And what are the waves representing? Um, and what's his, what's his response to address the turmoil or the storm? What's, what words does he use? And what does he mean by little faith? And then the, fi the final thing is, why were they distressed? 
after the event. They expect them to be somewhat relieved, rejoicing, fantastic, we've got, we got a winner here. And then, and then I suppose, if, if they didn't have little, if they were of little faith, what were they doing with them? What, like, why were they, why were they there in the first place? And then I was just going to touch on what's so what's so relevant to this in our lives. So I think if you perhaps can just appreciate that that there's a lot more power in the in the meaning of this in a metaphorical sense than there is in a factual description. And people can take what they want about their belief system, whether they have the power to manage waves or not. But for me, the power is the much greater power is is in is in being still in the moment of the storm. So, so Jesus is in some way or other representing what we were talking about yesterday, which is, is this person who is, where the being is sovereign, where he's, where being and doing is in perfect harmony. And the disciples represents us a lot of the time where we're, we're out of harmony, we've disharmony. And, we've got, and we are being assaulted by the waves, which is our conscious or our subconscious, our fears, our desires, all the things that we were talking about in the previous reading. And he's, he's just asleep there. And they, and they, you know, we can go through this, but you know, obviously they feel, oh come on, what, what the hell are you doing here? We're, we're, do, you, do you not care about us? We're going to drown here. So this sense of, a bit like the, um, you know, so he's, he's operating in a detached sort of way. It's not soothing them. But his response is, so his, his instruction to, to quell this storm is be still. So is he, is he stilling the water, or is he stilling their minds? And then he, he criticized them about the little faith. So what does faith mean in that context? It's clearly not, you know, where's your theology? Yeah. He's not really interested in the doctrinal stuff here. So faith is is about where is your relationship with being? And then at the end, it's interesting that they were they were just they were distressed still, which I which I think is an interesting concept and it probably does reflect where where we go. So when you start meditating first, you might find a sense of peace. But over time it does peel you away a little bit. So so it unsettles you because it's taking away your ego support systems. So I might think I'm a great doctor and I do all these good things and but the, these are all constructs that I've built around myself, which can be ripped away without meditation by some really bad thing happening like I 
you know, I do something wrong and I get dragged before the medical council or whatever and I'm ruined or whatever, you know. But but the but the point the, the point here is that the that and some of you may have felt it if you're starting meditating for the first time, while it while it is um you do find peace, you also find that it's supposed to be turning things upside down a little bit. Because it's challenging your the it's challenging the nature of of, of how you, of of your reality. So hope, hopefully you're seeing you're being exposed to texts and, and experience, which is saying to you that what you thought was real is possibly not. That what you've built yourself on is possibly not. And even if we've been meditating for years, you're you're still caught in these traps. It doesn't mean you're free from them. And then the final thing is, if they were such dummies, what were they doing there in the first place? So it's at some level, you know, it's 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 you know their being is calling out, you know, they're seeing some need, perhaps why we start meditating, we're being called to it, or we're calling to it, our being is is calling out through this distracted state of disharmony. So I suppose the in a way, the nature of the world then is this: is the while it's fine down here, we might have some physical storms, but we know that when we go back to work, you know that within you might be incredibly peaceful. The first, and when I actually um, started meditating first, I remember as as on a retreat, and I came back just feeling so peaceful. And then I'm hit with about three or four things in the first two hours, and it's like I wouldn't say that it was all gone, but it was like I'm back at some level back to square one and I thought I have this cracked I'm going to be okay you know everything's at peace so so the reality of it is is that the storm is not a single event the storm is a daily event and, and what we have things inside us but we which we can seek to improve through meditation but when we encounter the world when we go back into the world in our jobs in our family or whatever we're going to be we're going to come up against the storm and the answer to, the, to what do you do in that is to be still. But, but so, so you need a practice. You need a, you need a discipline to take you back and to, to pull you literally back into a state of harmony or a, a greater state of harmony. And then a few hours later, you're drifting out again, literally within a few hours. And you have to be pulled back in again, and that's why twice daily meditation practice is necessary. For me, it's actually three. I think three. I can't go that long. I almost need three day, three times a day, because I notice a gap in the middle, but I can't, you know, at the time. So, so the so meditation is the practice of being still, and it pulls us back in. And then just to finish, which is. Think about the, the quality of the care that you might get from each of those two states if you were a patient of somebody who was either fully in tune, which is Jesus, the harmony between being and doing, with being being sovereign, versus disciples, distracted, fearful, 
and the quality of the care you might get at different loads of different levels. Maybe you could just start off with the quality of care you might get with just getting good evidence-based medicine being applied to the situation. Even before we get into the state situation of the compassion, relationship, meaning, attention. So to think of the the starting point in this is the nature of the attention that you are going to get from somebody like Jesus versus the nature of the attention you're going to get from the disciples. And this doesn't just apply to treating a patient, it applies to how we engage with each other. And the attention, and, and we also can look at it as who is in better health here. And so that is, um, that's it.